Welcome to Gravy Jones's Locker. How many in your party? Well, uh, it's always a party when I'm around, sport. <laughs> yes, sir, I remember this one time out on old Lake Pontchartrain. Um, like, how many? Oh, way to ruin a perfectly good story, sport. Anyhow, uh, here's my card. Clem Fix-It Breaker. Well, that's my name. <laughs> Fix-It's the name, game, and claim to fame. If it's broke, I'm gonna fix it. If it ain't, I can make it. <laughs> I'm a bit of a handyman, as it were. Um. Uh-oh, sorry, you're one of them millennials, ain't you? In that case, I'm a handy person. Dude, I just work here. Can I seat you or what? Well, I'm, a, I'm actually here to sleep toast. Thursdays are SOS night. That's when we serve toast. Extra emphasis on the S part. Uh, which, which one? First one, then the other. Well... Today's Friday? What is today? Every Friday here at Gravy Jones's Locker is Taco Tuesday. Huh? How you figure that? I mean, it sure as SOS ain't Tuesday. Well, we don't have tacos either. That's what it says on the board up there. Oh, let's see there. Taco spelled T-A-S-T-I-N-K-C-O. Yes. Y'all, y'all should fire the feller who wrote what wrote that. Um. Uh, sorry, the person what wrote that. They misspelled tacos. There ain't no stinking tacos. Yeah, like I said, there ain't no stinking tacos. Uh, well then, uh, you know, now that we're uh, <clears throat> thoroughly derailed, I, I'd still like to talk with Toast. You know, the, the little kobold. Oh, why didn't you say so? Well, uh, I'm pretty sure I did. He's that way. Up uh, through this here door, huh? Uh, the on the labeled uh, "Podcasting in Progress." Beware of falling rocks and robots. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, all right, all right then. Say, uh, don't let anyone tell you that you ain't a big help, cause cause you really ain't. Didn't say I was. Hey there, Toast. Wow. Clem! Clem, hey, come in here, come in. It's about time you got here. Hey, so I got a bit of a problem here. Well, I see that. Uh, what you got there? Robots? Yeah, like five of them. <laughs> uh, well, why are they so broke? Uh, well, you know, uh, there's a few conventions back to back. There were some nonstop interviewing, some games uh, being run, lots of stuff. You, you get it. Hmm. Well, uh, hey, who made these? Uh, let's just say they're a fine combination of German engineering and fine cobalt construction. So, uh, you're saying they're prone to breaking down? <sighs> yeah. So, can you fix them? Now, hold on there, my fine orange friend. My name is not fix them, is it? Nope, it's fix it. So, can you fix it? Well, now you're talking. Oh. I sure can. Let me just take a look here. Huh. Well, it well it looks. It appears that somebody's thrown a monkey wrench into things. I mean, an actual monkey wrench. What the? But who would do that? Hey, Toast. I'm just gonna head out for a while. Hmm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tim. Say, I'll, I'll catch back up with you from somewhere around the world. Gaffa.
Uh, what's so funny about that? What? No, no, no. It's Gaffar, Games from Around the World. It's a segment I do on the show. It's pretty regular. <laughs> I get that. Especially after a big old bowl of chili, am I right? Yeah, I'm just gonna go now. Hey, uh, hold on, fella. Uh, you wouldn't know anything about these here robots being all busted up, would you? I mean, I did help drag them back in here. Oh, mighty convenient. Oh, it was very inconvenient. Yeah, for you. Look, can I go? I don't have time to sit here being accused of hitting these John robots in the head with a monkey wrench. I got a Robin Laws interview to do. We're talking about a new poutine-based RPG. Uh, poutine? Yeah, gravy and fries. Yeah. Yeah, he's coming here to Gravy Jones to talk about it. Potato Gravy Commandos. Funny. I guess. Now, I mean, funny how I never actually said these here robots were hitting the head. Wait a minute. There's only one person I know who has that MR. Curses! I've been found out. I am not Tim, but... Evil Tim! Uh, hey, did he just rip off a fake mustache? Yeah. But he's got, like, a full beard. I mean, disguise... Duh. Evil Tim? I thought you were sealed away by John, what, two Halloweens ago? Yes, but now I am free! But how? Who? Ha! You'd have to find me to get that answer. Ha 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 ha! Uh, he's just in the restaurant, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Should you do something about that? <laughs> nah, somebody's gotta do that segment. Uh, so then, um, let's get these bots rebooted. Rebooted? Yeah, it's like uh, a gritty show on Netflix. A few clicks here and... Voila! What's that noise? All oh, them's just a rebooting sequence. You, you really should reboot the system from time to time. It lets the system flush out any garbage in the registry and the memory. You know, it helps the system running smoothly. Well, okay. Thanks, Clem. So, it'll be good to get these robots back online. Um, so what about you? Oh, well, nothing really. I just wish all the folks out there listening to this on their browsers and their phones or from their apple pod bean cast things and those, oh heck, the, the Stitcher and the two did and... You know, I wish they would all just take a moment or two and reboot their systems from time to time. That's that's all I really ever asked for. Uh, Swimcast is a show about RPGs and stuff like that. I am toasted, uh, I'm a cowboy, but let's get into the show. Because <laughs> it's going to be the future soon, and I won't always be this way. Hey everybody, this is John. You're listening to the Swarmcast podcast, and today we're going to have a pretty good episode. We've got an interview with the guys from Iron GM Games. That's right, Iron GM Games. They're going to come on and talk about their Kickstarter for Grimmer Space, but we're going to start it off with our review of a quick start. We haven't done one of those in a while. 
from Weird Games. We're going to be reviewing Through the Breach. And we're also going to have some Scarab 2020 stuff. Listen for that. And we're also going to have some board game reviews. So should be a pretty good show. Sit back and listen. Partner, why don't I pour you a sarsaparilla? It's about high noon here in the Swarmcast Saloon. Never mean only one thing. It's about time for a quick draw. Well, it's been a while, but we are back with a segment of the show that we're dragging out of uh, obscurity. It's our quick draw. Pew, 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 pew. What? (laughs) (laughs) So we played a game. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, But the game, the people who played in this game, first off, I am John. I GM the game. And playing the game with us this time, we had... Tim. Bacorn. <laughs> every, why does your name change every time? Calvin. Nini. And Nini. Oh my gosh. So the game that we played this time was called Through the Breach by Weird Games. W-Y-R-D Games. Who also make the miniatures game. Who primarily make the miniatures game Malifaux. So this is the RPG based off of Malifaux. So the basic gist of the game is it's kind of a weird, uh, no pun intended, steampunk type of thing. It takes place um, more or less Victorian Wild West kind of setting, except you're in a alternate dimension where magic stuff happens. Yeah. And people have robotic arms. Pneumatic arms. Pneumatic, yeah. Everything's all all steampunk. People have robotic arms now. The arms go toot toot. Uh, they might. <laughs> that was just your. I think yours went too too long. <laughs> so 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 my question is, John, how hard was it to to learn this game? Um, it wasn't it wasn't very hard. the The book was maybe about a forty five page book, and about maybe a quarter of that was actual rules for the for the game. Uh, it was just kind of a weird, you know, again, no pun intended, game mechanic because it doesn't use dice; it uses cards. And so wrapping your head around how that card mechanic works was a bit of a challenge. That's and this, crazy. And as far as prep, all I, it, the longest part of prep was, was getting the decks set, set up, up, the decks yeah. of cards. Because um, I couldn't just have like a deck of cards or two deck of cards. I essentially had to have three decks of cards that I would, or four. Four, yeah. Four for, each, were four one for each player that I had and to pull certain deck. cards out of for each player. Because unfortunately, the cards overlap, so I couldn't just use one deck and go, oh, you get these cards from the deck, and you get these cards from the deck. It was like, nope, it was just enough so that I had to had to, to get four decks out and then put one more deck on the table. Fortunately, I have a lot of decks of cards here, yeah, you know. so it wasn't too hard to do. Doesn't everybody? Uh, yep. Yeah, only if you play card-based RPGs. Oh, well, yeah. Or yeah, if you're a gambler. Every once in a while. Um... I, the uh, the other hardest part was I thought because I, I had to write a little cheat sheet because it wants you to use the Malifaux deck of cards which has its own four suits because sometimes the suit matters for what you're doing right and so I had to write down the um, the translation key as it yeah. were you know this symbol is actually supposed to be this symbol and that stuff right that yeah I've come across that in a game before I've come across Oops. that in a weird opposite kind of way where I've had you know, use our deck of cards. Our deck of cards has symbols on it that are not normal symbols for a deck of cards. 
but we're not but we're going to refer to things in terms of the regular deck of cards it's, it was weird it's different though it was different it was definitely different it was interesting um all in all i would say total prep time maybe a couple hours because i had to read through it and most of that was actually physically setting up the the cards they also really heavily want you to use their miniatures for stuff but I find it funny because they don't want you to use the Malifaux miniatures. No, they want you to use the Through the Breach, the RPG miniatures. But it's so different from the Malifaux. They heavily suggest that, but it's like, well, you know, I've got these old Deadlands miniatures. Right. And, <laughs> and these these robots that they I work got really in well. coin machine. Those work. <laughs> so uh, for you guys as the players, how easy do you think it was for you guys to pick up on the rules for this game? It was quite easy. Yeah, I think um, you know, you explained it fairly well, so it it didn't take long to really to kind of pick it up on. Okay. Do you want me to be honest? Yes. Yes. No, we want you to lie to these people. Do you want me to be honest? It was really easy to understand because I was on my phone half the time you were explaining it. And I was <laughs> able to pick it up. So See, that's that's why we there do you go. bring Brooklyn into these. Cause yeah. She gives us that that teenager. Uh, <laughs> Like you know, I did my best attention. to not pay attention to what you were saying. And I, I still got, got it. it. <laughs> Tim, what'd you think? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I mean, of course, like most of the quick sets we do, it got a lot easier once we started actually playing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about these, these pre-gens a little, because uh, this kind of goes in line with the, the rules for the game kind of thing. The pre-gens are set up, so it's got all the, the stuff on there, and they even go other way to say... We've gone ahead and done all the calculations, so all the numbers and stuff that you yeah, need to worry just... about are on there. But then in the book, it gives me these things that are confusing because it's breaking it down in terms of, like, if they were writing this for somebody who wasn't using these pre-gens. So, like so I'm sitting there going, oh, roll their... this plus this. And it's like, wait, but that's already calculated on your sheet. So they should have just said, "Yeah, roll that. I say roll. We didn't actually roll. Didn't roll. Flipping. The roll is roll by roll. He means draw a die or draw a card. Right. Draw so what? What do you guys think of you, of the pre-gen characters? Um, well, I, the setup is. I mean, other than learning a new setup is, uh-huh. you know, being difficult. But I mean, it's all fairly easy to find. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Was the layout okay? Was it hard to figure find stuff on the sheet or? No, not at all. Actually. Not once you get used to it. Yeah, I think once you read over it, it a couple puts, times, it's... Okay. It puts everything easy. important in, um, like, um, bold, so it's really easy to find. Okay. Uh, one thing I did have an issue with uh-huh. was my character. Okay. Because uh, everyone, everyone else had, like, abilities that they could use throughout the game. Mm-hmm. I had none. I was the academic, the doctor. I could heal people. But, like... So like like what's what's the like my avid student, which is the only way I can get extra cards from your Trist deck, which is what you oh, use to yeah, modify yeah. your draws. You can play from your hand. You get a small deck of Trist cards mm-hmm. to play, and I can only do that when I face an academic duel. Which there really wasn't, yeah, yeah anything so, like that in this. Exactly, this so it wasn't so that your character was bad. It was just it, it had zero use in this particular. Yeah, which quick is something start. I see a lot of in quick starts. Is usually that one character. It's like, why is he here? They they don't they don't yeah. add anything or, or contribute or, or. I mean, his not gun was great, but I mean that was the only thing I could do, and <laughs> we did so much damage that I didn't have to heal anyone except for the NPCs. 
I yeah. I like how you're complaining that you couldn't do anything. I I literally all I could do was punch something because yes, but you could punch things. You could punch things. I'm a healer. I'm an academic. I mean, you could throw rocks. Yeah, you threw rocks, which oh. was kind of like punching rocks at people, I guess. <laughs> which makes no sense at all. They wanted to give you a ranged weapon, mm-hmm. was the thing. So they said, I don't know, she could throw rocks. I mean, like. So, so, so speaking of the characters, they give you like this really nice, cool like backstory about, about the character, and it's like, here's all this stuff. None of it actually has really any bearing on the quick start at all. Well, it, it sort of does because it all has a reason for us to be at the location. Right. Yeah, they give you your motivation for being there. Because like like Brooklyn's character was looking for Yang. a person named Yang. Mine was too. And yeah, was for a I thought one of them people in the end would be one of these. Babe. That's why I asked yeah. one yeah. of the people. Yeah, it was all just kind of really just hooks for you guys to be there. Really yeah, didn't really have any. Yeah, on the adventure well, it's, it's, no. it's more than most games. Well, some games do. I, I do. mean, go ahead. I do really like, it, other than the motivation to be there, I like the backstory because it gives you like a sense of your character instead of just saying, "Here is okay. this person." That you know nothing about, but they can do this ability. And it also does give you a little bit of flavor of the world. Yeah. Right. Plus, Even I guess if, it's just from one if you were going to continue on, like, into a longer campaign, you know, you okay. would have yeah. stuff to go on on your character. Mm-hmm. If you're one of those people who uh, do campaigns with PJs. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which can be done. These felt like, they didn't feel like they were incomplete characters. Oh, no, no, no. Mm. It didn't feel like there was anything on there that was that we had to go. Wait, what does this mean? This word is on here, but it doesn't tell me what this means. Right. Yeah, I I mean, I could see all these continuing the campaign, but my problem is with the story. Okay. Uh, Well, let's get into that right now. Let's talk about. Let's talk some stuff about the adventure. So, what? What was your? All right, Nini. What was your? uh, (laughs) So, what was your issue with the story? We were just there. Because I had issues with the story. We were just there, and some mechanical zombies Uh were operating on people. Uh huh. In a sewer. In the sewers. In a sewer. I I will say this: going kind of blending both these two subjects, the characters and and the that it. I've played pre, you know, these quick starts where you have like a mage, and they literally give them like it's almost like having the doctor because the mage has abilities that are basically completely useless. Uh-huh. Whereas they gave me, like, specifically... Like, here's a thing that, that works against, that work I don't against know, zombies. Things that work against undead zombie yeah. things. And we're, that's all we fought. So so they did ex- at least go, we're going to give you, you know, skills or uh, abilities that actually can be used. Yeah. As opposed to some of the quick starts where it's just like, well, you have this cool thing. I mean, it's completely useless in this particular thing, but, you know. I feel like I don't really understand why it went from the train to a sewer. Because they went I into mean, a, zo- a sewer. Maybe train because, you know, steampunk and ste- steampunk and train just like goes together. But I don't really understand the sewer. Well, they were hiding out. Yeah, sewer. they had to hide somewhere. In the ground lab. It's the Resident Evil factor. Yeah. You always start off <laughs> someplace, but you always end up end in up a in sewer. Always. So anything with undead, you end up in a in sewer. The sewer. <laughs> it's the smell that's inspiring. 
And we're not really giving away anything for anybody who wants to try this. It was a very railroady. It was extremely. And does have sort of a cliffhanger. Ironically, no pun intended, since it starts out on a literal railroad. But you know, it's okay. I still can't make sense of the zombies that actually operating on people, but. Well, they were making more zombies. If you think. If you think of it in the sense of maybe if you watch Doctor Who and you see Cybermen, Cybermen or, are created and then they continue to create more Cybermen. Or, or they're zombies. Or you can think of it as a steampunk Borg. Yeah. It, it, they, they are part steampunk. They, I mean, they, it, they're, it didn't necessarily they're, they're say. Iron zombies. It did not necessarily okay. say. So there could be regular zombies. zombies. And I mean, ions. You don't have to be like a zombie, zombie, like eat brains to be a zombie because. That could just mean that you're controlled. But then I couldn't investigate him, like keep him alive and investigate him. Um, not investigate, interrogate. interrogate him, sorry. But yeah, then they, they, they were smart they enough like to actually <laughs> operate they, on... I, I guess they pretty much just knew how to like make zombies and that's it. Yeah. Steal things and make zombies. They just knew how to replicate. Assimilate. Or assimilate, yeah. <laughs> Alright, well... Based off our experience with the quick start, uh, did you enjoy the quick start, Tim? Um, it wasn't too bad. It played pretty quick. Too. Yeah, it played pretty quick. It did seem a bit shorter than most games. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I mean, other than I had skills I couldn't use and whatnot, it wasn't awful or anything like that. Okay. Brooklyn? What about you? Did you enjoy it? It was interesting. It was, it was, it? I kind of liked the characters, but not really the scenario. Okay. Because to me, it just doesn't make sense. But I feel like if it was one of those games where you can make your own scenario, uh-huh. make your own characters, that would be kind of cool. Okay. What about you, Calvin? I, I, I'm I'm in the same book. I wasn't particularly thrilled with the writing of this particular adventure, but I feel like it it could have potential. Could have a potential as a game. Okay, I could see that. All right, uh, Nini, did you enjoy the quick start? It was all right. It was all right. It was all right. I like my character. I really like my character. Okay. But then I'd rather you give me a story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of, meh. there was some stuff I thought was neat, but I mean, it was pretty much just straightforward. Oh, you show up, roll initiative, you fight yeah. some stuff. Oh, here's some more stuff. Roll initiative. Don't roll. Stuff. Remember? Flip card. Flip yeah, card. whatever. Flip card. Draw. And I totally hope you got that book putting down on your, on, and it didn't in the give you thing. I probably did. It didn't give you much of a margin for roleplay either, did it? No, not really. Not really. No. It, it was very real I think the most It gives me a chance to go, all right, introduce your characters to each other. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. And then fight. And that was pretty much, yeah, that was and pretty much. And then a chain comes in. There's a couple chances to talk to NPCs, but they pretty much are going to just say it the same they thing. Just, yeah, they just kind of blow you off and go, please help and go get this stuff. Really? If there's anything we can do, I don't know what yeah. you can do. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go do this with you because I'm a coward, but you can go do it for me. Thanks. I mean, you could have tried to force him to go with you. He would not have been very effective at all. But <laughs> you could have. All right. Would uh, so, 
would this make you want to check out the full version of whatever this game is called? Through the Breach. Potentially. Potentially. Okay. Again, like what I said I, earlier. I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't turn my nose up and not play it if it was if it was being played, but I don't know that I would seek it out to play it. Okay. Yeah, it, I mean, there's other steampunk games out there, and this one doesn't really set itself apart from others in any distinct way. At least this quick start doesn't. I, like I, I mean, um, I, I I hear what you're saying there. Uh, Nini, would this make you want to check out? I wouldn't buy it, but I'd play <laughs> it again. Okay. I feel like this particular quick start would not make me want to check out the game, but the potential for the for the game would make me want to. Gotcha. Um, see, and I and I got a feeling that the that the um, miniatures game is 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 obviously where they're focused more on instead of the RPG. The RPG just kind of feels like, well, we already got some stuff because I bet you a lot of this reads like it's the same kind of yeah it does feel like a stuff they would does feel like a with. skirmish with a plot right and it is a right. skirmish game so it, it just felt like a lot of the stats and everything were like this seems like it's just a, a like they just said well what if we just use the, the skirmish game rules and then it's like the mick warrior game and then, and then we rp at each other or something <laughs> yeah we slash totally RP gonna at rp other. at you i rp <laughs> at you what do you do IRP back. <laughs> okay, so we gave kind of a meh review to uh, Through the Breach, and this particular one was Recruitment Drive, which was the free RPG offering from 2015, which according to the book was their um, their first offering. Uh, so if you went to the free RPG day, or if you happen to find this, it was you know free. Um, that Oops. being said, up until recently, you could not find it anywhere else. So right. I really had to try to find this because uh, I was like I want to try this one to see what this is like um, but now you can get the PDFs for them on drive through RPG and they're all five bucks a piece so hooray for free RPGs <laughs> mm-hmm. for right. five dollars so that was our quick draw uh, stay tuned later we, we're gonna for for the swarm cast is gonna have more quick draws coming up on other episodes yay so get pew up pew. here and pew pew Pew, pew, pew. Pew. Or bang or whatever. What? Bang. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Hey, Toast, what's behind this door? It's the designer's dungeon. Oh, yeah. you didn't. Yes, I sure did. Ah, <laughs> uh, Toast. Locked him up. I didn't mean actually keep designers yeah. in the dungeon. Well, it's too bad. They're there. Well, let's go talk to them. Yeah, <laughs> they're making, like, rough them up or something. Hello, Swarmcats listeners. Uh, John's here, and I've got um, two of our regular co-hosts. I have Ruby over here. How's hey, guys. Going? How's it going, Ruby? Not bad, not bad. And uh, lurking over here in this corner is Matt. The corner to the left, sir. <laughs> and hello. <laughs> he, he, he deigned to join us from Portland. Or yes, he was, he was so Seattle. offended. I don't remember where Mostly you're Portland. at. Seattle. People in Seattle hate people in Portland. That's true. And vice versa. There's a... Oh, really? Uh, ongoing conflict. Yeah, I've watched Portlandia. I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> is that actually a legit thing? No. Oh, okay. It, Portland's too close to the border. It's it's all complicated. Oh, so Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin's not actually the <laughs> mayor of, uh, of Portland. No, he's not. It was very disappointing. Man, I, I don't know if I could live there now. Um, 
So we've mentioned Kyle McLaughlin's, which of course uh, means that we we have to talk about um, things related to space now because I don't know where this is going. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all connected somehow. Anyways, I have uh, we have a couple other uh, special guests with us here today from all the way from Iron GM Games. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves, guys? Hey, this is Ronan Lou. We got you going wild on your favorite station on the Grimmer Space Dial, WGRM Grimmer Radio. I love it. <laughs> I told you I could introduce us. <laughs> I love it. I I'm Ron Barton. I am Ron Barton. And my better half over here is... Lou Bresta. <laughs> you didn't have to tell me to say my name. <laughs> <laughs> And we are uh, co-owners and producers of uh, co-owners of Iron GM Games and producers of Razor Coast. Uh, <laughs> did I just say that? Oh my God! All right, <laughs> we're not going to need any editing. I said you're not going to have to edit us. We're going to be perfect. I said <laughs> you don't have to tell me what my name is and when to say it. <laughs> I'll just name things that we don't. Apparently you do that we that we don't have anything to do with. Um, hey, this has been great. Thank space. you so much. Wow, I'm so red right now. You could heat a room. Um, Grimmer space. Grimmer you are doing great. You, you talk. Killing. You talk. You right. are killing this. So anyway, we're. Uh, I, I'm used to sort of going second, but obviously today is not the day. So um, yeah. So. We've developed a Starfinder-compatible sci-fi horror setting uh, with a creative developer, Sean Astin. He's one of the creative developers, and it's called Grimmer Space. And it's its own uh, faraway galaxy that you can either plug into your Starfinder game, or you can play it as Grimmer Space, or you can port it into your homebrew. Lots of fun elements. Lou, anything to add to that? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> in a minute, it's going to be you one know, of those days. Done other interviews, and yeah, <laughs> this isn't our first. I know it's. Oh my god, <laughs> Lou, have an apple. Get some calories. What's going on? So, so are you on the East Coast or West Coast right now? Because you know, if it's like nine in the morning and you just woke up, that's a little forgivable. Oh, that's our excuse. Yes, we're yeah, yeah, we're. Yeah. It's three in the morning here. No, we're we're actually close, and it's twelve fifteen. Okay. Although I only woke up two hours ago, so there you have it. Because <laughs> yeah, it's basically the same. Well, thing. I was gonna say we were up gaming last night, so. Well, we were we were we were up late promoting and working on Grimmer Space, uh, which we're very excited is officially the largest uh, third-party publisher Kickstarter for Starfinder at the moment. Um, no, ever actually. Well, you yes. have a lot of talented people working on it. Um, I was scrolling through yeah. it just to refresh myself after having seen it initially when it was first announced. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. These on it. And, oh, they're writing for it. And yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of talent attached to this project. We've been, very, uh, we've been very lucky and we're very grateful the way the community has stepped out to support us in this um, and to help. Uh, to write on it, to uh, you know, people in the industry, it. publishers, yeah. the the writers at Paizo, they've all just come in very lovingly, lifted us to our feet, give us a pet on the butt, so we get on our way. And uh, it has definitely been a a group effort. All these these French, we've worked for companies, we've 
we've developed friendships over the years. And then when it was time for us to publish, uh, we could not have gotten more help from all of the publishers, big and small. And a lot of them have pitched in with advice and uh, consulted with us and given us a lot of pointers. And so many people have agreed to write for us. Lou, what, we've got Jason Bowman, Adam Daigle from Paizo. We've got Greg Vaughn. We've got Shannon Germain, Ben McFarlane from over at Cobalt Press, James Sutter, uh, and uh, Eric, Eric Mona from Paizo is doing yeah. our forward. Yeah. Nice. Oh, well, I was actually curious. How did this all come about? Why did you start, you decide to do Grimmer Space? And why did you decide to make it Paizo, uh, Starfinder compatible? Well, well let me, let, yeah, go ahead. You, you let tell let me answer the second part first, and then I'll hand it back to you, Ron. The, okay. um, the reason we decided to make it Starfinder compatible is lodged in the answer that we just gave you. We have so many connections and resources there. Ron and I have been writing for... Uh, that's one of the reasons I should say. Bern and I have been writing together, what, since 2007, 2008? No, even it earlier than that. that. Yeah, no, a long time. No, no, he's he's. it's wrong. It's the other way. We've probably been writing since about 2009. But we there started, we but I think we got together in a diner, uh, just to ruin the story and sidetrack, but in an interesting way. So Lou knows I'm a vegetarian. Uh, I've explained this, I think, uh, and we get together. It turns out we meet in a writer circle, mm -hmm. people all around the world, freelance RPG writers, uh, just 40 of us, but we're in the same writer circle. There's people all around the world. It turns out that this one guy I connect with in the group, idea-wise, that we only live 40 minutes away from each other. Who would have known we were both in New York? It's, so, it's really interesting how that happens. Yeah. Yeah, and I, hmm. he said, let's get together and work on this children's adventure. So I drive up, and he goes... Uh, we'll go out. We'll, we'll I'll, I'll take you to this diner. And he takes me to this tiny diner, and there's nothing on the menu I can eat. And when I say nothing, I mean there's nothing. But not only that, how rural, I mean, you know, is this diner that the first page before you get to the food, wait, wait, they wait. are selling they are selling bovine semen. Prize steer semen. <laughs> nice. It is the opening page of the tiny menu. I'm not kidding. They are selling cow semen it was from a named cow too <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like wow you know i well, wasn't hungry when i came here but now i'm ravenous you, <laughs> you definitely just don't want bull semen from some random bull yeah, that's true <laughs> it has to be named yeah. It's like not welcome to the diner front page, but hey, yeah. you got to have thousands that you don't mind parting with some nice high quality cows. And the, and the best part is you, you <laughs> the field where the cows live before they get turned into steak is on the left and right as you drive to, through them to the so they're all lined up on the road looking at you. So that was our that was our first experience writing together, but I have to say it got better since then. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, because we're in the middle of it, like, oh, that's right, you're a vegetarian. I'm so embarrassed. Uh... <laughs> this seems to be today's theme. Yes. Can I order you a white Russian from the bar? No. 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 <laughs> so you're you're not just vegetarian, you're vegan. I didn't say way. that. Okay, so you, you, you'll you eat I, cheese I, I, and... Here's the, well, the funny, <laughs> and then you mentioned that. Now I'm going down my PTSD. So I've been a, I, 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 I was a vegan for, I was a vegan for, for a, a good few years. Okay. And, and sometimes I just eat, wind up eating vegan because I do. Right. But no, I, I will have like some dairy in the diet. But the thing is, I told Lou that I was a vegan and Lou Dude. would repeatedly for about <laughs> 90% of the time I've known him tell everybody I was a vegan and that I had to order vegan, which would drastically cut my food options. 
And I would keep saying, Lou, I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegan. Lou, again, I'm not a vegan. Lou, I'm not a vegan. Lou, I'm not a vegan. And it makes it sound like I'm ashamed of veganism, and I'm not. It's just not a correct label. So I, I kept not getting offered food. Well, they have a salad there you can have. <laughs> I never I never said that. Okay. Well, I've sidetracked us. So I believe the original. Like a bickering so, yeah, so the answer to your question was why Starfinder? Um, right. It's and, because and, it's because of the vegan options in, in gaming, is. right? That's right. Starfinder is the vegan option. If you've ever eaten Vesk, um, <laughs> no, it, it's um, it, it it was a system with which we were uh, very familiar because we had written together for Pathfinder so much. Mm-hmm. It was a system that was new on the scene, and there was a lot of excitement about it. Um, the transition to writing for it was smooth. And we have a lot of resources and a lot of uh, know-how and a lot of connections in the Starfinder arena. And so once we decided we were going to do something, uh, we realized that given the resources we had and our own skills and background, our ability to deliver the best possible game was going to be in Starfinder, um, at least on short notice before uh, we learn other game systems or something like that so we went with starfinder um but why we decided to do this to beginning and uh, to begin with i'm gonna hand the microphone back to Ron. oh okay like we're in the same oh thanks for handing that to me in physical space in the room we're both in hey we're <laughs> we're gamers we have a shared imaginative space and that means we can hand each other anything ignore the man behind the curtain okay so yes, please ignore this me is all yeah real. that's mad <laughs> god i keep forgetting his <laughs> He can be so, super so, quiet. So Lou, Lou and I were in his, his kitchen. I was I was building some uh, bookshelves for him, and we were up in his kitchen, uh, me covered in sawdust, and uh, we were having a conversation about science fiction and gaming. Lou and I has, have always talked about the idea of publishing. I remember back in 2008 saying, uh, we could game publish. And Lou said, there's no money in game publishing. And then, <laughs> and then a couple, and I looked at the numbers. There's no money in game publishing. And of course, that depends on when you look at the numbers. Right. Because certainly things do change. And uh, uh, they've changed drastically over the past five years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we're sitting there talking back in, in 2017, sometime around April, I think. And start talking about science fiction and we we did some science fiction writing that laid around and just like and we we didn't wind up using any of it and we were talking about science fiction talking about science fiction gaming and i was expressing a preference for harder sci-fi as opposed to having like uh, you know dwarf spellcasters riding on the back of space whales into battle it was like just not exactly nothing nothing against that just not my preference and Lou was saying, yeah, I think I prefer uh, the, the harder approach, too. But then he started to backtrack, and he <laughs> remembered all of the um, – and don't do it again. But he started naming all <laughs> of every book that's ever been written that was fantastic <laughs> that had science fantasy elements. And, um, and he wouldn't stop. So it was like listening to a library talk to you and saying – and I read this, and I read this, and I was like, okay, so no, but some of the books he was saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I could see that, but I still have my preference. And he's like, yeah, and then he starts to argue for the other side. So um, <laughs> I, 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 I uh, stood up and I said, you want to fight about it? And, and Lou went, I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> and I just said, no, no, like, what, what about making that the central tension of a setting? 
the idea that uh, a hard science fiction galaxy, a, a science fiction galaxy that's only known science and used mm-hmm. advanced weaponry to hold back the horrors of the edge of sp- at the edge of space, what if they are suddenly invaded by a, high, uh, a science fantasy threat that comes in through a gateway from the other side of the universe and magic leaches in slowly, magic leaks in from a, a part of the universe where there is magic and magic is now the new scary thing in an already scary place. And that allows the people who are like, man, I do not want those, I don't want those dwarf summoners on the back of, of uh, <laughs> pigs in space marching in above. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, the, you can face off. You can pick a side. You can decide. No, I, I want the hard sci-fi approach, and uh, so so that's the tension. You've got the sci fantasy people and the the hard sci-fi people, and we've set it so that um, we've set it so that the invading force is sci fantasy. But there are many ways to lock into this, even if you're very magic. And we have a uh, if you, you love using magic users, and we have a you can use your Starfinder races and your Starfinder classes, but we also have a very gritty, dangerous take on magic that's very specifically Grimmer Space. We've yeah. uh, we've even toughened up magic. So Yeah, so- and and in, in that discussion we were like, you know, that source of magic, that could be the star, star the default Starfinder setting. So why don't why don't we connect them that way? Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. I believe we aced that question. Sorry. You did. If you finally got into your groove and finally got the answer. <laughs> okay. So, so. Not. Wait, are you telling me that the actual answer was more interesting than the diner cow semen for sure? <laughs> Actually, I really enjoyed that portion of it. But, you know, we are here to talk about grimmer space and gaming and things like that. Not <laughs> bull semen. Writing about horror. Don't yeah, think yeah. that that diner experience isn't what snaps <laughs> 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 it's all part of the, the horror. Yeah, I think in the, the first ad- space. Yeah, I think in the first adventure, um, don't they end up at a diner where there's a bunch of uh, horrific fan- <laughs> sci-, sci fantasy space close cattle? They, they wound up no close actually. They wind up in an abattoir <sighs> where the the uh, edible ungulate of Gerber space is being processed, and this orbital abattoir has gone dark. <laughs> yes. And the PCs, for various reasons, are called to investigate what could possibly go wrong. It's an abattoir in space. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing yeah, creepy yeah. about about an abattoir, right. especially yeah. an abattoir in space. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and in fact, that adventure, if you go to the Kickstarter, you can actually um, you can actually download that for free and check That's it out. It'll correct. be during the during the Kickstarter. It'll be downloadable for free. And there's also uh, two versions. We did something interesting. With the uh, with an enhanced PDF, Lou, tell them about the enhanced PDF version. Sure. So we we made the uh, the PDF version and the enhanced version. Uh-huh. Uh, and you, at, you can go to grimmerspace.com and download this avatar eight the adventure for free, like we just mentioned. In the enhanced version, we embedded um, video and we embedded audio. Oh, so, wow! Immersive. So when you, yeah, as long as you have the the latest greatest version of adobe reader you can open it up and most of the art you click it and it will play it moves a little it does things and if you're you know sharing a screen yeah if you're sharing a screen with your players you can show them that and then uh roan who's an amazing uh audio engineer uh recorded a distress call that's typically a handout but uh, got a, a voiceover actor and, and Roan, and he did the sound engineering to make that come to life. So and then we can... have some ambient sounds when you're in different chambers. Hmm. 
uh, in the place that are pretty unique from one another. So created some soundscapes that you can play just for some background audio. In the yeah. PDF. In all the in, PDF. Yeah. All embedded oh, wow. in the PDF. <laughs> never stop innovating. Yeah. Always breaking new ground. Which was my whole point in taking you to that diner. Oh, oh, way back when you were you were setting him up. <laughs> yeah. It's all time to plan. innovate, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Is it Grimmer Space or Grammar Space? It's Grimmer because there's two M's. If yeah. it was one M, say, it would that's be what I, like Grim Tales. Well, that's what I thought, but then I saw this video calling it let me, gr- let Grimmy me Space. And no, right, right, right. Okay, so so <laughs> we mentioned this before the podcast. A, 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 a backer of our project and a friend went to Cameo and got the actor who played Debo in Friday and the president in Friday the third, I mean, president in the fifth element. Mm-hmm. And he started on a TV show called First in Ten mm-hmm. way back in the day on HBO, a guy named Tommy Tiny Lister. And he hired that guy to just do one of these things where he reads like a congratulations. And it went way off the rails. This guy <laughs> just woke up. He's this huge muscle man. He's crazier than the crazy characters he plays on TV. It's fantastic. So so he wakes up. He's got his shirt off. He doesn't have a shirt on for any part of this. Just <laughs> the muscle man rolls out of bed and just tries to read and can't because his, like, his eyes obviously haven't focused yet. He's just trying to get that money. And... <laughs> and it's amazing what happens because he goes, hey, Lou, L-O-U, you got Adventures Roan, R-O-N-E, and you better check out Grimy Space. So he calls it Grimy Space. But the uh, and, and thus, you know, some but people. I, I, I love that actor. I, so it's, many no, no, he's, roles. He's just he's, great. And, no, he's unique. He's absolutely yeah. amazing. And, uh, and I would love to work with him. Please, please let us be able to adapt this to TV or movie and let that guy be in it. He's fantastic. But Grimmer Space comes from the fact <laughs> that Grimmer Space is set. The setting is the Gliding Rim Galaxy. It's the most remote, <sighs> furthest away dwarf galaxy in the world. And the Gliding Rim, which looks like a big plate on top, but the double bar spirals get pulled down by some sort of force where they intertwine almost tornadically below the galaxy. Now, this place is called, the Gliding Rim is called the G-Rim for short. Thus Grim, uh, thus Grimmer Space. And the and... natives of Grimmer Space are the Grimmers. Okay. Okay. Plus, it's a uh, horror setting, so it's grim. grim. It's you got that yeah, exactly. It's got just, layers. Which is what yeah. I thought. The, uh... So many layers and levels. <laughs> so yeah. many onions. In, in, it's the uh, bloomin' in, onion of horror. Yeah. The bloomin' <laughs> onion of horror. Is that going to be on the, the book? That's right on the cover. When you, when you flip it on the back, it says in, in the, a, in the a giant onion ex- of horror. Yeah. In a giant explosion. <laughs> and, and if you've got a stretch goal, we'll give you a ranch, ranch dressing with it. If you hit the stretch goal. <laughs> Grimmer ranch. Awesome. That sounds good. Uh, no, I was, uh, there was an actual question I was going to ask before I went into the grimy space thing. With Grimmer Space, is there an actual horror mechanic that you've had to add into the the game? Because I don't like some games, like uh, like with Call of Cthulhu and stuff, you would have like, oh, you've got an insanity score or, or, right. or something like that. Another track of... Or some hit points to keep yeah. track of. Well, we, or... we we have a we have a lot of things. We we have an optional sanity system. We've got other systems too that enable horror. But Starfinder is inherently pretty crunchy. And yet, to ideally, to ideally tell a horror story, there has to be a heavy narrative approach. And yet, how do you do that gently so that you don't pull people who are used to a crunchy game too far afield of the type of gameplay they enjoy, but just enough that they can really effectively tell horror? And we have plenty of tips for npc character development and foreshadowing and working with themes so we're always helping you in the sidebars 
understand the psychology of horror, how to convey it, and yet how to be sensitive at the same time, because we're, we're, you, ideally horror pushes boundaries. You have to ease them into it. You have to ease them in, both the GMs, but also the players. You have to be sensitive to, we like horror, but we like it up to a certain point. And as a GM, you have to be able to gauge that. Right. So we also created some simple tools, and you can find them uh, or examples of, of them in the Avatar 8 free download. And, for example, there's a number of atmospheric events that are going to occur um, or that occur on this Avatar 8 station. And when you are reading that as a GM, you're just reading through a bunch of paragraphs, mm-hmm. and then you get into the adventure, and you're in the middle of the adventure, and you're thinking, oh, well, maybe I ought to have one of those atmospheric things happen, and then you got to flip back to the beginning. You know, right. it, it's annoying. So it's very simple and easy to simply turn that into a tear-out sheet that's a list of the events with a checklist column, and the GM can have that off to the side. Huh, I feel like a little atmosphere would be nice. Look <gasps> over. Oh, I didn't do this one yet. Tear something out of a book. How dare you? <laughs> well, since you'll have the PDF version as well, you can simply print that page. Print that page in. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and to create uh, little tracker tools like that that, make the, that that are so simple, but they make the GMing job easier because they put everything right at your fingertips. Um, so, so things like that are involved. So it sounds like with writing in this book and this things, you've incorporated a lot of your experiences for writing for modules and things like that. Do you do anything, any actual gaming other than just writing for games? Uh, yes, (laughs) yes. Um, and, uh, I'm expecting that to stop (laughs) as, as we, as we work on Grimmer Space, but at the same time, I'm expecting to... Uh, play test the the bejesus out of Grimmer Space like we already have. Um, and when you right. speak to that though, because we, we have to, a play. Yeah. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Let me get out of the way then. No, no. No, we have we have a play testing standard that's actually super aggressive that is going to get more aggressive because we find that the more play testers we put in front of our product, mm-hmm. the more we learn. Not just the more we learn about what could be better playtesters will tell you what they kind of wanted to see. And as much as we're, we are trying to tell a certain story and tell it well, and it's not a, we're, we're not taking a populist approach. We have some really brilliant playtesters. Uh, Abattoir 8, this free adventure, uh, free for now on Kickstarter, um, it, is, uh, it went past 30-something playtesters. Wow. And some seven GMs or more than that, I guess, because Jason, but yeah, maybe like eight GMs, nine GMs altogether and uh, and a bunch of gaming groups. And what we learned is pretty amazing. And occasionally they just come out with an idea that's supplemental to something we're doing. And it's it's too amazing not to use. So you can't play test enough. And so what we have is a three part funnel where original play testing is the internal groups. And then we open that up to really talented GMs like we found with Iron GM. We have a touring competition that tours the world, finding, the, finding and bringing glory and prizes to the world's best GMs who can just pick up and go with a couple of story prompts. And, Improv GMs, yeah. Yeah. And, and so we pass that out to our Iron GMs. And also after that, the third part of the funnel, we give it out to uh, venture captains. Adventure lieutenants, uh, because they know how things will play 
at the con, mm-hmm. very specifically. So that that's how it works. We want we internally we try to work at our stuff. Then we hand it out to the uh, 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 mix of the best GMs we know, and then we hand it out to the people who run Paizo Adventures all day long at society. Just, yeah. 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 Exactly right. So. And and then when we take and then the learning doesn't stop when we take it on the road to demo it like we recently did at PaizoCon. We had, uh, you know, three GMs, including some top writers, uh, who ran it for their groups, and I'm still collating that feedback and expecting to do an update to Avatar Eight based on it. Um, and so that is where my gaming will happen. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> it will we'll be, be focused on right. on your game. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, I I run a game every Thursday for a group of middle schoolers at my daughter's uh, my daughter's school. They uh, they have um, they they have a D and D club and I run that uh, for them. Um, okay. That's been about gonna, my only gaming lately. I was gonna say, so you're so you're running My Little Pony Grimmer Space for a. For a oh, no. Of oh no! Oh no 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 no! <laughs> oh no! These because I think I think are... the horror aspect of that is then going to be on the GM, not so much the uh, players. Yeah, no. The... Middle schoolers are vicious. Yeah. Middle schoolers do not do My Little Pony. They're like, can we kill it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only people who do My Little Pony are younger kids or, or older, older older adults. adults. Right. <laughs> we, but, we won't even they, say older men. We'll just say adults. adults. But but they are, um, Air uh, most adults. of them are, I would say, too young for Grimmer Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, put, we put Grimmer Space at 13 plus. Um, we're, we're PG-13 because that's the requirement of our Paizo compatibility license, but mm-hmm. we like to mm-hmm. walk right up to the edge of that and stare off the, oh, in, in, across into the, the border longingly into, <laughs> into rated R yeah. uh, without without towing over that. And you uh, say, and, that, and it's true, and we, we have to be... Uh, however, I don't know about you guys. I, I don't know if you're into horror, but me and mine, the horror kids, there's no age where you could have hurt us with this stuff. We're right. probably the people at the table who would have made you uncomfortable because kids will just say anything that comes to mind. I Man, know. I wrote a I wrote a story in, in third grade and and the teacher who knew my mom just said, your son's really good at this. And it was just <laughs> like it was just like going into a haunted house. But you wish there was just ghosts in that haunted house. I mean, everything was getting eaten and <laughs> torn in half and blah, blah, blah. And see, back when I was a kid, you could do that without getting, you know, a, getting your no parents or yourself threat. in trouble. Exactly yeah. right. Oh, like yeah. vivid yeah. imagination, a talent for the macabre, yeah. not a, yeah. Troubled, not, not a, troubled boy that needs drugs exactly and psychologists. Right. No, no, right. no, no, no soft puppets to yeah. see how things were at home. Yeah. 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 But we, um, <laughs> knowing that everyone's, tastes are different uh-huh. uh, we've tried to we've taken an approach that we think puts the decision making into the table's hands about exactly how much horror exactly how much magic exactly how they want to play this and so there's and, a lot of optional rules okay. saying yeah i was this i was is, wondering about that. It, it's it's more like identifying so for example mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. back of an, uh the avatar 8 adventure you'll see a list of 15 different kinds of horror mm-hmm. subgenres subgenres that we've just that we've identified explored Rohn's written essays on that to, to coach our writers and some of those are lit up. So for uh-huh. Abattoir 8, you've got Slasher and what's the other one? Survival. Survival horror, right? Other adventures will have cosmic horror or... And body horror. Or body okay. horror okay. Or, 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 or war horror. So 
we're identifying the kind of horror in any adventure. And in the Grimmer Space uh, core book, Grimmer Space Settings and Adventure, it's half settings, half adventure. Every location has its own adventure. And every one of those adventures will be identified, however, however large or small the adventure is, as containing these kinds of horrors. These kinds of elements. It, 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 it yeah. really sounds like you've taken your experiences as writers and as GMs and as players and kind of brought it together for this. So you're giving a lot of tips and hints as well as mechanics. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's certainly true. I mean, very respectfully, because we understand that there are brilliant GMs out there who, who we, we, we could sit at their feet and learn from as we continue to do from the GMs at our competition. Um, what, what we've also done is labeled the adventures by intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and identify the reasons why we think it's intense in its own particular way. Um, and then there's a, uh, oh, there's a third method that is, I'm suddenly having a brain blank on. Roan, help me. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but there Deniability. Is a third method. <laughs> a third oh, secret you, method that if you uh, back this game on Kickstarter, you'll find out about it. You'll find out about it. Right. There you go. Right. Super secret. And, and we're also <laughs> doing various lengths, meaning in the core book, you'll find every setting, like I said, every location has an adventure. That makes it modular. You can pull it out, stick it in your uh, own game. Yeah. Or you can play it totally in Grimmer Space uh, as if the default Starfinder setting didn't exist. Or you can play the campaign where they integrate because you can pick and choose the adventures that you want to use with their locations. But we also go by length. So adventures are also in the core book divided into one session, uh, two sessions, two to three plus, so that you really can dial in on exactly what you want. Ah, I only have this much time. I don't want it to be too scary. I'm more into cosmic horror than I am into body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, boop, I'll take this. Okay. So as far as as far as games go, I always found the horror genre to be. I mean, I I'm a fan of it, but for gaming for RPGs, I found it to be tricky because you have to have, you have a certain to have some buy-in, buy-in from the players because you can't just go, hey, let's play this. We're gonna play this game. This like if you say, oh, we're gonna play a, a um, cosmic horror game, like a Call of Cthulhu type thing, then the players are sitting at the table going, okay, cool. Well, um. Fish people. Amigo. I have to try to divorce yeah. myself from the fact of what I, the player, knows versus this, and and then allow myself to actually experience the horror of this instead of just going, "Oh no, it's a guy who's ripped somebody's arm off and and they're eating it." Uh, I'll just shoot it with my gun. Yeah, he might be able to use that arm as a one d eight club. As, as a right, yeah, right, 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 as opposed to going, you know, yeah, because well, you the players might be like, "Well, if I had that, that does yeah. a lot more damage than this." Uh, well, well, thing here, here's the <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, people, you can have cosmetically scary elements in a story, but what Grimmer Space does is create the general feeling of horror. And it'll frighten people because people consent to allowing themselves to be. They, they consent to fear. Right, they, the buy-in. They want, they want to regress to a primal, vulnerable state and then assist in empowering the realness of the threats horror throws at them. Like in the, uh, there's a thing called the Philip experiment, uh, which Wikipedia Philip experiment. It's really, really interesting how a bunch of very smart people can just academically approach the idea of making something up until they actually believe it because they want to. Um, and people can know that something's not real 
but then choose to deliberately trick their brains into reacting to that thing as if it was real. Mm -hmm. And so people who don't want horror and they don't want to be scared, they'll never buy in. They're not fans of the genre. Uh, but for people who want to be scared, look, I don't, when I, when I was a little kid, I, I wanted all the beasties and boogeymen that, that were being thrown at me to be real. That was a part of my, my reality's fabric. Mm -hmm. And yet years later, I know exactly where vampires came from. I know exactly, you, you know, I, I can track all this stuff back. I rationally don't believe in things that go bump in uh, the night, bump in the night. Exactly. But I can still have a lot of fun in that realm by as that's like a writer when you're writing about things that aren't real they're no less engaging and compelling and that's where your daydreams and go to 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 live so it's it's not that hard to get a gaming group that wants to feel horror to feel it you just have to make them feel like it was worth it along the way right and we certainly try to do that so i want to it's not quite switching gears but i actually wanted to talk about some of the things that you have incorporated in this kickstarter your different stretch goals and things and, and so you've got a lot of different things that you've unlocked for your stretch goals i noticed that you have the npc cards and you have monster cards um you've got I did see metal miniatures, but I didn't see too much about that. I, I paint. I, that's one of the things ah, I enjoy. Right. And then there's and, also, a, it looks like, what, gaming paper? Right. You can buy bundles of gaming in, papers. Too. Yep. So what yeah. other things? I, I noticed a Larry Elmore th uh, for the highest tier Grimmer yeah, Larry, star. Larry, Larry, yeah. not only, Larry not only wrote an entry mm -hmm. uh, for our bestiary, the Xenophiles book. Um, for Xenophiles, he created a a thing that's like a dragon, which is so Elmore, but it's not. It's actually a construct that's incredible, huh. it's, uh, and it's called the Zyrag. And then he's like, "And I want to do an illustration for it." And here you go, guys. So he gave us this, <laughs> you know, beautiful just because illustration. it's Larry Elmore, you know. sweethearted us. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just you know, um, I mean, you still pay. It's Elmore. Well, man. yeah, but uh, <laughs> but hmm. yeah, he was he was very kind, especially to two guys starting out. I mean. Right. What a, what a dear uh, luminary, uh, what a legend. And so, yeah, we do have one tier that, that has the, uh, the Elmore and, and uh, just a, a ton of add-ons, a ton of partnered companies like Yarrow Studios mm -hmm. with the immersive uh, battle maps, like you said, and, and Eric Bauer and uh, just a bunch of other companies. Yeah. And there's um, one of the, an interesting thing with the, keep, keep an eye peeled for updates regarding the Yarrow book, because that's going to get more interesting with some specific Grimmer Space content. And uh, I'll sneak peek that we're, we have a Grimmer Space unique cover coming. But we've also included posters. So, for example, in Abattoir 8, there is a retro future poster described on the wall in the adventure. Mm -hmm. And we decided it was too good not to actually... <laughs> illustrate so uh roan found an amazing artist named victor maristain who does these wonderful retro futuristic work and we commissioned the poster that's actually on the wall in the adventure neat um we worked with uh evil robot games to help us create a um table sized miniature ready playable poster of a ship called the muckraker which if you uh, join the Kickstarter, Abattoir 8 over time grows into um, 
48 more pages of adventure content and becomes an adventure called Casket of the Cull. And if you survive that and get to the end of it, you can win this ship, the Muckraker, as one of your early. So we made it into a 24 by 36 poster that you can put your minis on. Both Double decks. decks. It's yeah. a battle mat poster. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. exactly. And we have we have another poster coming out. Um, navigation you, map. Yeah, it's an, a navigation map you can actually use to calculate distances, fuel and other supplies that you need to get from one point to another point just take a piece of string or a ruler put it from here to here throwing in a little war gaming miniature war gaming into it i used to have have a map kind of like that for um for one of my star wars games for yeah figuring out like okay well if i want to get from a hoth to uh this moon indoor yeah exactly what's my modifier on my roll well Mm -hmm. that actually makes me curious how much is this based actually on Astrology, or not astrology, astronomy. Astronomy. Yeah, no, no, not astrology. Or that's astrology. The, yeah. that's, it might, it might right, have a little right, bit of right, my follow-up right, question. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, how much is it set in actual stars and space and things like that? Or did you make up all of it? Or did you take the kernel of, of reality? And, yeah, and how, how far down the space hole did you have to go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I want to engage the question now. Um, <laughs> The answer is it is strongly rooted in science, um, but as much as is necessary to grow the fiction out of it. So science is the real world science is our soil and the tree is the fruit of that effort. How very Um, writer like of you. Yes, how writerly, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, she said writer like. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. Um Let's see. You were also asking. We have uh, a she metal mini. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have men- a we metal have mini from F and Cool Studios. Yep. F and yeah, F and Cool Miniatures. F and Cool Miniatures created our um, Odrek. Yeah, and a designer named Chad Hoveter um, did the design, and we pre-bought those. Okay. So we we limited number. We went into our own pockets, uh, as we have for all of this, and, and- we. We pre-bought them so that there's no there's no possibility of because, anything going wrong. Right, minis, minis and Kickstarters, you just say Kickstarter and Mini, and some people, like, actually flinch. Yeah, so we're in that boat sure right that now. Was, yeah, we just wanted to make sure there was zero risk for people, and there is zero risk. We own these already. Yeah. Um, and then we have one of our character classes, as Roan mentioned, is called the Arcop, Arcology, sh- slang for Arcology Cop. Yeah, and, I saw that replica on there. Yeah, yeah. So we have um, so movie we, prop gun, basically movie exactly. quality prop gun uh, that we contracted with someone who we met on the Starfinder RPG board um, in Facebook, the the Starfinder RPG group, uh, and saw some of his work that he was showing. Look what I made, and we're like, wow. Can you make that for us? <laughs> and uh, and and put him we, to work. We took this prop gun out. Took this prop gun out to Paizocon. We have a prototype, mm-hmm. and the guy who made it's going to make more, make some refinements, and make some more. But we took it out, and so I had the gun, and I put it up on a table, and I saw people looking at it, but nobody wanted to you know, touch it. And Owen Casey Stevens, I put it in his hand. He was a little reluctant, and once I put it in his hands, man, he wouldn't let go. <laughs> 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 yeah. Starfinder lead. And then 
that same kind of thing happened where people would just hold it. And, and I, a guy said, you know, there should be more. There's no cosplay at PaizoCon. This makes me I'm going to dress up next year, man. And uh, and there was a couple, uh, two fantastic GMs we know, Jillian Fraser, Fraser and um, Alan Venable. And they they had the gun. And uh, and 10 minutes later, I see they're walking along holding hands, but with the gun <laughs> clasped in both of their hands. <laughs> Like sweetheart murderers in space. Yeah, so so yeah, the guns the guns a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So but yeah, there is a um there is definitely a lot going on mm-hmm. in the Kickstarter itself. Yeah. Uh, now with the different levels, if for whatever reason, let's say that you're a um a player and you know that your GM's already gonna back all this stuff, but you're like, Well, I really want this uh to support that. I really want to support you guys and I really want I really want to support Grimmer uh, Grimmer Space and uh, and maybe I want those maps. But I don't necessarily want some of this other stuff. Um, is there is there going to be like a pledge manager type of kind of thing going on where you can can pick abs- abs- pick the parts absolutely. that you want? Okay, absolutely. Um, we're we're using backer kit, and right afterwards, uh, you'll be able to manage the pledge the way you want to. Wonderful. And so, so you probably um, is there an option then to do like you know, uh, well, I'm going to pledge like a a buck or five bucks right now, and then. Add more, and then get. And then when the I get backer. to that backer kit, then I'm gonna dump all this other money into it. And a- absolutely. Although we, we 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 <laughs> they'll do take your money. <laughs> and 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 give and give wonder in return. Yes. Yes. But but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're encouraging people to check out the digital space if if that's the path they want to go. There's a way to do it for less. But um, the digital space gets everything. In uh, Grimmer Space, uh, PDF copies of all the books, all the digital rewards that that we're developing, uh, and that's a twenty dollars buy-in, and that I think is a, a good place to start. But start wherever it suits you most. Well, we've talked a lot about the um, the Kickstarter again, Grimmer Grimmer Space. Yeah, not not grimy space. Or... <laughs> well, I have a not Kickstarter or grime space diner Grim- or anything like that. It's right Grimmer Space. <laughs> Well, I have a not Kickstarter related question. Oh, I've got a couple. It goes back to, so you're gamers, you're writers. What's your favorite genres, uh, either in games or books or movies for that matter? Well, uh, movies, uh, I like to laugh. Uh, At this point in my life, I really want to laugh. I'll watch any genre. There's nothing. Omnibus approach, just give me everything you got, but... Uh, a good comedy is hard to find. Good horror film is hard to find. When I do find them, I'm uh, very grateful. Mm-hmm. I do not have a favorite genre of anything. If it's if it's a good example of a genre, I'm going to enjoy it. And if it's a schlocky example of a, a genre, I'm not. I don't have favorites. Generalist. Pretty much the same with music as well. Okay. okay. And it's like, you know, what's your favorite food? I don't know. <gasps> food? Come on, man. Uh, no, if you, I mean, you know, like edible? they pass these little, they pass it. Well, hey, whatever you want to do, um, but the the uh, yeah, uh, whatever you do with food, but the you know they they pass these little like books around in like seventh grade. And what's your favorite food? Yeah. And what's and everybody writes pizza. And I'm like, I don't have a favorite food. <laughs> Can't imagine that. Oh, if I had to eat the same thing two nights. Well, you in know, a row. and in in these in these interviews, you always get that. What's your favorite question? So I had to be the one. Not oh no! All. Oh no! No, all. I was I wasn't rebuking. No. Rebu- <laughs> <laughs> that question's ridiculous. No, no. Some people. No, no. You're absolutely right. I found it was less sort of like when I was in a the, the writers group. I found, and these guys were all RPG writers. Uh, 
I would put up poems or I would uh, talk about a screenplay that I mm-hmm. sold to Hollywood or yeah, I just said that. Yeah. Um, or no, I would just talk <laughs> that's about, okay. Like, You're not as name droppy as some other people we've talked with. <laughs> no, but but the thing is, like to me, writing, what do you like? I don't know. Haiku, palindromes, anagrams, poetry, songs, anything. It's all just limericks. Code. It's just fun. Limericks. I've done. Lim- oh, I've done some limericks, man. I can't <laughs> say them right now. But <laughs> and, and yeah, no, no. And, and, and just, you know, even 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 a good Cohen, you know, it's just anything. It's all fascinating to me. All story is fascinating to me. But at the same time, I recognize some people are specialists. You know, Lou is a Lou is a game writer, but he's also a novelist, a, you know, a published novelist. And Lou, so, would you would you like to say what you are? I'm a published novelist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roan's obviously a, a overshadowing personality here. No, that's not true. Usually I let Lou lead, but I've had coffee and he had a slow start. So I'm just doing what I have to do as a friend. <laughs> I knew you had coffee. <laughs> you got it right. This happens whenever you have coffee. Uh, which the um, I found a, 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 an odd sine wave pattern in my interests. I go from science fiction to fantasy. Uh-huh. And I've done that since I started reading at the age of five. Um you know, I, I'll glut myself on fantasy and then I will shift over and say, oh, I'm just not in the mood for that anymore. And then I'll glut myself on science fiction. Um, and then after a while, I'm like, ah, I need swords and magic again. So there's been a, a back and forth uh, in waves that I, I noticed at some point in my teens. I'm like, that's weird, but OK. So. <clears throat> Uh, what has emerged over time uh, is uh, an abiding love in urban fantasy. So uh, that's a very that my repeat read shelf has a lot of urban fantasy on it. Um, so there you go. Those are my favorites. Okay. Okay. So so are we gonna be expecting some urban fantasy? Uh, well, I did notice D twenty uh, era on there on some of the the credits when I was reading through them. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, lots, lots. You're very prolific. Lots of say, different if our, things. If our listeners go out yeah. to uh, IronGMGames.com and uh, check it out, there's there's a lot of stuff on there. Right. Like like Ruby said, I was oh, scrolling. I was scrolling through it, going, "Wow, oh, okay. These guys are." Uh, Didn't realize they were part of these that. These guys and, are all over the place, yeah. and I mean that in a good way. Yes. Right. yes. Um, I didn't think you were calling us sluts. <laughs> <laughs> so so I gotta know. You're as just a, eclectic. <laughs> So, so as a um, a GM who who loves the different GM tools, especially uh, Hero Lab. Oh yeah. Um, do do you guys think this will be something that might be available in Hero Lab? I did see D twenty Pro. Well, got, I think I did got, see D twenty Pro. Yeah. We've got we've got all three of the VTTs on board. The big VTTs. We've got. Uh, go ahead, Lou. Run the D twenty Pro Fantasy Grounds Roll twenty. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and, and we're talking to Hero Lab right now, so we'll we're wonderful. We're, we're yeah, cautious. they said yeah. they said once we hit a hundred thousand dollars, let's talk. And and then when we hit hundred thousand dollars, they wrote to us. Yeah, okay. and they said okay, let's talk. So we're talking about it now. Good, 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 good. Very cool. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what becomes, even if I only play it once or twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I'm gonna say from my point of view, uh, that whole space fantasy yeah. of Starfinder was kind of. 
what had kept me less engaged with it than say Pathfinder with a straight fantasy. So having having a nice harder setting that you can still experience the rest of it with will be and that's, that's a good exact, way to draw me in. Right. That's fantastic. Awesome. That's, that's exactly what we're going for, just giving that other flavor, you know. When you when you want to get Raven lofted, you know, mm-hmm. when you want to leave uh, the half, happy, shiny space behind you. Yeah, I, I that was one of my thoughts, too. I, I had made a note. I was like, is this like... Is this like the Ravenloft, Ravenloft, in, uh, Ravenloft in space? <laughs> or Dark Sun, you know, where... Well, I think more Ravenloft yeah. because it's, you, you know, you're, you're tooling around your spaceship and all of a sudden... Bah. Whoa! <laughs> well, there Is there that are actually, over there in space. <laughs> there are a number of ways it can happen. It's it's funny that you say that. We do talk about the possibility of ships from Starfinder being Raven lofted into yeah. the Grimmer space. It's our action verb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we also have uh, certain setting secrets I won't get into, but reasons why uh, default Starfinder role playing game setting uh, races. characters races have been showing up in Grimmer space. So one of the ways that you can play is that you're either those characters um, who showed up for any number of reasons, including, like I said, Ravenloft, or you can be the children of those characters who have known nothing but Grimmer space and grown up to the age where they're ready to go adventuring. Or you could be Grimmers who have, you know, some passing knowledge of this yet another influx of alien races, whatever, <laughs> um, who who are are dealing with the the consequences of having uh, let this go too long? So any of these ways of playing, or you can play Grimmers who have no contact with any of the default Starfinder. Depending on where in the timeline you are, yeah, okay. uh, absolutely. And 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 to that end, uh, each of our five polities are like star nations, are places from which your character likely hails. Each of them engenders specific blends of horror. Uh, one is one can be very different than another, and each has uh, a human, humanocentric race that's usually different than another. Some are heavy worlders, some are water worlders, that sort of thing. And there are specific character classes that you can very likely play if you come from one of these polities that are super cool. And a lot of Starfinder players like the character classes so much they say they want to take them back to Starfinder. <laughs> Or do you guys uh, envision doing like a, well, I guess you envision it more like a, this is a game that I would take and run for my own personal campaign. Well, for they my did friends. say earlier on that, that it could mm-hmm. be done in different ways. Right, right, right. But because um, you, you mentioned PaizoCon and there's all these Paizo people. So, of course, the question comes up, is there is this going to be, do you have visions or plans for making some sort of organized play version of yeah, we, we have all sorts of plans. Boy, <laughs> we just have a treasure chest full of them. A bevy Overstuff. of plans. Yeah. Yes, we do have some big plans for this. This isn't like we're not putting this up on Kickstarter so we can make some money. Uh, although money to create the thing would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Please, please do it. Right, right. But, but at the same time, no, we want this. This isn't be, a we, one and done situation. No, this not is one something and done. you want to This is one of those continue. pretty things with pretty art you put on the wall. We're giving our lives to this thing. We want it to, to have vital. We, it's, it's vital that it has gameplay, that it catches on and that we can continue to build this game, this universe, its reach, the, the media in which it extends into. Well, uh, as many gamers as we can get playing Grimmer Space, that's what we want. You we did, think we have something really nice here. You, you are obviously doing a lot of different interviews and things like that. 
What about con appearances? Uh, I, you, you mentioned you went to PaizoCon. Is there any place in particular that you guys are specifically going that you're going to be showing it off or going for fun? Well, Gen Con, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go there every year, and that would be the next one up on the plate. And we have well, we have a we have an Iron GM uh, tournament planned for TotalCon 2020. We haven't filled up our con schedule at the moment um, because we anticipate we're going to be doing a lot of writing. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, fair. Okay. Matt chimes in from the curtains. <laughs> I've chimed in at least one and a half times so far <laughs> well that's because every time you guys mention something i see matt pick it up pick up the phone and yeah. he's downloaded the abattoir eight and then when it's you like, mentioned oh, the philip experiment he went to wikipedia and was looking Doing through your it fancy philip ghosts nice. yeah yeah, nice. yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah this has all been very awesome stuff i'm really looking forward to grimmer space um again listeners uh you need to go to kickstarter and find grimmer space and back the up. Well, you could and you could just type in GrimmerSpace.com and it will take you there directly. Okay. Perfect. And you can also go to Iron GM Games and check these guys out. Um, we'll make sure we have these, these links in our show yep. notes as well. Yep. Beautiful. So, thank um, you. Uh, thank you, Ron and yeah. Lou. It was really a blast talking with you. <laughs> it was really fun. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Well, you have a good day and uh, we'll talk to you later. Yep. All right. Bye. 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 All right. I got your number. I'll call you all the time. Area code Swarmcast is here and we have got somebody who's come to the booth for Scarab 2019. Uh, with me right now is Daniel. How's it going, Daniel? Hey, it's going all right. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, so have you been having a good time so far? Yes, sir. Been here for a couple hours now and got a couple games in, so doing pretty well. Cool. Well, let's talk about let's talk about one of these games right now. Uh, so what's the game we're going to be, be talking about? Yeah, uh, we just got done playing 10 Minute Heist. Okay. Yeah, it's a... Uh, go ahead. Oh, no. <laughs> you can say what yeah, you know. It's a, it's a tower, uh, it's a tower game uh, where you are these... Um, bandits and you're trying to steal things from a tower. It's pretty simple. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, go in and give me something. Tell me something good about Tower. Uh, sure. Excuse me, about 10-Minute Heist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very quick, you know, in, in okay. the name 10-Minute Heist. Um, it really <laughs> does probably take about 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Um, which is great, because if you're looking for, like, a quick little filler game in between longer sessions, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really fun. Um, the setup's really easy. It's just setting up some card tiles. Um, okay. Yeah, it's pretty pretty easy setup, and that was appealing to me. That's yeah, especially for a game that's only supposed to take ten minutes. Exactly. You don't want to have like uh, you know twenty minutes set up for a ten minute for game. ten minute game. <laughs> yeah, it probably took us longer to learn the game than it did to uh, actually play it. To actually so. play it. So what's uh, so? Can you tell me something bad then about ten minute heist? Yeah. So um, part of the. Uh, 
the tower is these the the, the tiles. You get to take these tiles, which are objects, mm-hmm. um, you know, that give you different points in the game. And if another player takes a tile away from where you were trying to go, mm-hmm. um, it really limits the avenue you have to escape from the tower. Uh, I okay. felt like it was way too easy to screw over another player. <laughs> you know, I, I know that's kind of the point, but um, I feel like we played with three people, and with three people it was a bit difficult to okay. find a way out that best suited your needs. Okay. Well, give me something that would be in our other category here for a 10-minute yeah. heist. Um, so the artwork was super fun. Um, it reminded me a lot of Harry Potter. You've got these cool magical-looking tomes and, oh, okay. and flasks and stuff, really bright colors. Um, I, I always like um, that kind of cartoony-style artwork that's you know real bright, and I like that a lot. Okay, cool, cool. All right, well, uh, thank you for, for sitting down here and talking about 10-minute heist with me, Daniel. Yep. No problem. Swarmcast still at uh, Scarab 2019. And I have with me right now, um, I have Noel, who's sitting at the booth with me. Hey, Noel, how's it going? It's going great so far. Um, So what game are we going to be talking about? Uh, We played 10-Minute Heist. It's a competitive game, not cooperative at all. And you're a group of bandits trying Mm -hmm. to escape a wizard tower, collecting treasure along the way. (laughs) Okay. So tell me something good about 10-Minute Heist. I really like the strategy of how balancing card selection for yourself versus blocking other players' choices as you're on your way out of the tower. That was that was kind of unique and fun. Oh, cool. Um, is there something bad you can think of to say about 10-Minute Heist? Bad would probably be a little bit of a strong word. You do start the game <laughs> with one hidden treasure card that nobody else knows about, so that does add a little, little extra layer of strategy. Okay. It would be nice to maybe also have a... A hidden goal. So at the end of the game, uh, you actually okay. score additional points with visible goals on the side. Gotcha. So it'd be neat to maybe have a secret goal to it. So that's more of a added suggestion versus a bad, I guess. Okay. Okay. And tell us something then in our other category here. Other easy to set up, easy to get it on the table and teach people. We learned it in a matter of minutes. Um, and yeah it's good good to fill in between other games we tend to play uh in our house and in our groups that we play periodically we play a lot uh-huh. of long games okay sometimes we need a pause in between something quick right it would, it would be excellent for that okay very cool well thank you uh Noel, for for talking to me here about uh, 10 minute heist oh you're welcome i appreciate it all right we're at scarab 2019 and i have a returning guest ryan at the at the booth with me right now. Hey John, how's it going? Ah, it's going pretty good. Have you been having a good time at the convention? Yeah, it's been a good convention, definitely. Enjoying the uh, the larger space we've got this time. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> so, what game are we going to be talking about right now? Ten minute heist. Ten minute heist. Okay. Why don't you tell me something good about ten minute heist? Uh, honestly, uh, everything. It was. Uh, <laughs> it's a quicker game. Uh, uh-huh. The strategy changes depending on how the other players are playing, and uh-huh. it. It's fresh because the setup shifts around each time, too. So it's a very fresh game each time you play it. Oh, um, that's, Definitely one of my buys. Cool. And go ahead and tell us something uh, uh, bad about 10-Minute Ice. Uh, I mean, just like most games, it takes a few minutes to learn it, but uh-huh. not, not that long. But once you've got it down, it's pretty simple mechanics. And, okay. And, yeah, nothing really bad to say about it. All right. Well, go ahead and tell us something in our other category here about 10-Minute Heist. I would recommend it for 
more strategic gamers and for your casual gamers. Uh, mm -hmm. It's art and appearance is for your higher strategy people and those that want to really nerd out can try and be super strategic with what they steal from okay. the wizard. And for those that just kind of want to hop around the board and snatch up what they want to snatch up, uh, it's fun for them too. So I think it's kind of a win-win. Well, very cool. All right, Ryan. Well, thank you for, for talking with me about 10-Minute Heist. Sure. Here at Scarab 2019, uh, I've got some folks who want to talk about a game. Hopefully, hopefully they won't want to talk about it for, for longer than the, the name of the game itself, 10-Minute Heist. We have Murphy and Joe and Kirsten. So... Let's talk about 10-Minute Heist. What did you guys think? We did, uh, so we have this game, you build up a tableau of, I think it's six levels times uh -huh. four, kind of rando, okay. so, but per level it has a different style, like the top level is lower level ones that are a little easier to achieve. Gotcha. Or make, no, no, it's the effect is gets bigger and sure. bigger as you go down. As you move down, you lose the ability to go back up. Right. So lower level things are available. If everybody goes ahead, you can sweep them, get points, right. do all that. Um, there's some abilities in there. Um, yeah, benefits for leaving the the, the mansion first. Have been, so, been, uh, uh, benefits for leaving second, but then you start getting into negative points if you get out too late. Right. So you stay in, you stay and sweep all the floors, but you're going to lose points for getting out late last. And there's so. icons on each. So each of the things on the most basic level without effects, it's got a color uh -huh. and maybe a school like the iconography. Like right, you need right, right. The, mo the one with the most sevens gets most points gets five points the one with the most eagles gets the most gets points, the most points yeah. one's most this is a diminished level of points so you're kind of as you go down you're kind of strategically picking well if i stay here i'll get one worth the second amount most of points gotcha i see murphy's now going for the second level i can smash on the third level because kirsten here has already gone for the highest i right, won't be able to right. catch up yeah. so you make my decisions in your I, head. I think if we play it some more, I think we might find some alternate strategies about jumping ahead. Yeah, jumping ahead. And maybe and getting maybe. to the in, to the bottom, forcing them to come right. down, and then ending before they can even get any points. Yeah, so there may so, be some alternate strategies we haven't really fully haven't explored really just, on it. Yeah, I, I want to say the first time we played, uh, my wife Ruby, uh, she she first thing she did was jump straight to the look to the very bottom level, and yeah. it's like, well, great. <laughs> Yeah, I think did there may be some well? things. Uh, she didn't win that, did she? She didn't win that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that to be explored. Right. Yeah, um, it seems to be a combat. You have, there has to be some level of between jumping ahead and not staying behind. And not just staying behind. Yeah. Um, we found that, like, if you go ahead a little bit, there are some wonderful rainbow cards that oh, yeah. handle multiple things and then a wild card for the numbers. Right, right. So you have to watch it. You don't want to waste your moves. Gotcha. Bad? It's okay. Yeah, I, I didn't have any nags. <laughs> I didn't have any. There's no okay. crazy functions to learn off cards. Easy. No easy deep self explanatory. Right. Yeah, it's easy. Okay. Other? What about other? It's pretty. Um, the way you lined up on the board again, yeah, there's okay. no board. <laughs> the board is created by the game itself okay. right. instead of. Once you, once you learn it, it plays really fast. Okay. I, I could see 10 minute heist. But it plays really fast. <laughs> yeah. When we learned minutes. it, we yeah. played it a second time and we. Maybe minutes? less than 10 minutes. I was yeah, yeah, say, it was yeah. really quick. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, yeah, it, sorry. It, it, it lives up to its name. It does. <laughs> yeah. And the math to do add up was really quick. The yep. One person can say who won this, who won this, and That's just true. assign the points like that. It was really quick. That's true, yeah. Well, cool. We like it. Well, all right then. Thanks for talking with me about 10 Minute Heist. <laughs> Scarab 2019 still going on in full effect. I have uh, somebody who's been, who's been here before. Actually, he was here last year. Um talking about a lot of games and he's 
this is uh, he's gonna be here talking about a lot of games this year too <laughs> so we have joe how's it going joe doing pretty good and we were over across the street last year that's right so what what game are we going to be talking about right now so the first one is cthulhu tales okay um we, so, we pick it up because it has the word cthulhu, cthulhu in it, it? yeah <laughs> it's my whole family i get that so what can you tell me that's good about cthulhu tales it's one of the most beautiful games it's one of those beautiful cards. Okay. Um, looks really nice. Nice flowery language right, on right. the cards. It's very pretty. Very okay. thematic. Okay. Uh, is there anything you can tell me that, that's bad about Cthulhu Tales? It was really rough when you're playing with board <laughs> gamers. So we got a board game oh. tournament. <laughs> it's a board game, but really it's one of those. It's really a role-playing game. You uh, use okay. the cards to tell a story. Gotcha. So you're trying to defend yourself as an inmate against okay. an accuser. And then the other mad inmates are trying to do things, but they're only using the cards and telling a story as they oh, go against you. Interesting. And not so much, but it was rough <laughs> when you don't when you had people that are very competitive in the room. So I I would like this game, mm-hmm. but the people with me were so competitive they want to win, but it's uh, not okay. a game that has a clear cut do two to do seven kind of thing. Do X, do Y gotcha, to gotcha. win Y to win Z. You know, you just uh, okay. It was rough that way. Okay. Um, the other one, it is just a different style of game, that storytelling game. Uh, it's a different style than maybe would normally fit into, like, that room. Oh, okay. Into the, uh, yeah. But I it's gotcha. pretty. A very pretty game. Okay. Um, so was that for our other category there, or, or Yeah, or that, was my, other, that okay. was my other. All right. Just making sure. Okay. Well, cool. Well, thank you for talking to me uh, about Cthulhu Tales. Okay. So we're at Scarab 2019. And I have Jocelyn here at the, the table to talk to me about a game she played. How are you doing? I'm doing great today, John. <laughs> Super awesome. <laughs> you know, it's the con. <laughs> yeah. So, so what game are we going to be talking about? Um, I played this great game called Dixit. I've never heard of it before. but uh-huh. um, Oh, really? It's apparently, uh, apparently a lot of people like it here. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a fun game. So tell me something good about Dixit then. Um... Honestly, it's a game that you can play with just about any age group, in my opinion. Uh, okay. Because okay. it has a pretty simple set of rules. Uh, in my opinion, it's kind of it's kind of similar to apples to apples. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but there's there's no real words except the words you make up. Right. 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 Uh. So, can you tell me something uh, bad then about about um, Dixit? Something bad. Uh, some people. It, it can be kind of hard to guess. You really got to know the people. You got to know the people. You yeah, got to yeah, know the yeah. people because uh, you have the choice to either talk about your cards in a right. story fashion or say like a really short phrase or something. And uh-huh. you got to know what those those people would associate with it. Um, but something okay. really interesting about the game is yeah. uh, actually that all the illustration, every single card is an illustration and they're so vivid and beautiful and I, I love them. And there's, and there's always something kind of that you might not have noticed right away exactly. when you're looking at it. Yeah. Like there was a woman walking in the snow in one picture, and there was actually just a little flower in the corner. Right, right, right. So there's there's some interesting things like tentacles coming out of closets. Um, right. Just all kinds of little things, kinds you things you might things, miss. Yeah. But uh, it just has some really vivid, beautiful pictures, and I think that's what really lured me into the game. Okay. <laughs> and that's why I say it's such a good game for all ages, because, you know, a kid right, could play, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Everybody can see pictures. And, and try to make up something about it. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, cool. Well, thank you, Jocelyn, for sitting down here and talking with me about Dixit. Uh, Come get some Dixit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Scarab 2019. 
And here at the booth, I have Joe. How's it going, Joe? Doing well. And what are we going to be talking about now? So I don't know if this convention's ever heard of this game before, Yikers. Hmm, it sounds so, familiar. There might have been a couple cases delivered to this convention a couple years ago. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, so I actually, <laughs> before I even came to this convention, we had already bought this game. Okay. It's a neat little, sorry, bounce. Um, Sorry. Nice little magnet effect game. These little magnet rocks, the same kind of rocks you see in tourist stops. Oh, okay. Where you pick up a handful, fill a bag. Yeah. What yeah. they've done is taken those same kind of rocks, a certain number of them, uh -huh. whatever that number is, and then they have the uh, neoprene, just like a uh, scuba outfit, right. pieces, um, four or five triangles that you can put in different shapes. Maybe uh, okay. you make it into a square. That's the easy game. Uh -huh. Other shapes for hard. And the idea is one at a time you're placing these rocks on the board, the idea being you want to get rid of all the rocks out of your hand uh -huh. and hose the other person. You space them enough so they don't affect each other. Oh, okay. And then as they okay. get close together, they hurt. And while somebody's putting one too close to another, it puts the rocks attract each other. That person has to pick them up and put them back in their hand to try to get rid of them all again. Oh, wow. So you're kind <laughs> of spacing them, taking over the good leftover space and forcing the other person to make a mistake. It's forcing mistakes is how you win this game. Okay. It's good with kids because they can see how it works. Right, right. And there's also right. a lot of kids that just sit there and like to see the rocks jump across right. the neoprene because they do right. slide very nicely. Yeah. Very high quality. The rocks are the nice shiny magnets mm -hmm. um, with a smooth texture. A little smooth, yeah. There's no jagged edges. Um, they're, uh, they could be eaten. But so you just be careful with toddlers and stuff. But it's not strong mm, okay. enough to wear uh, two magnets together cause an obstruction. It's not That's true. that bad. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, the other I've already is construction. This construction very nice. Bad. It is. You're not killing each other. <laughs> There's no role playing. I got gotcha. you. Um, but that's not a bad for me. That's what other people might say. Yeah, for and, this, me, it's, and this isn't the type of game for that anyway. It's a guarantee game. You could always win. It's really good for, uh -huh. like, if you've got a big game going and maybe some people are waiting to start another turn, you can push this off to the side. This is a oh, quick, okay. I thought about that, but yeah. quick little game to have on the side that can always be out. It's one of those really good for there yeah. ain't no instructions that you need to give. Right. I mean, just <laughs> really quickly, place them on the board one at a time. They have to be on the board. Don't collect them. Just be the first out. Okay. Very, very, very easy. Highly recommended. And I thank the company that made that game for sending them to <laughs> For sending so many of them to us. It was just awesome. And everybody, nobody complains about it. You don't trade that one away unless you already have one. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> everybody keeps it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for talking with us about Yikers. Yep. Bzzz. Oh, my thing reviews from the Swarmcast. If you don't like it, I'm a come over a TikTok. Tail. Tail. <laughs> Toast meant to say tail. Toast. Why do you do that? Podcast at gmail.com. Hey there, Toast. How's it going? That's going pretty good, you. Well, you know, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. So, hey. 2020 is just around the corner. It's um, coming up in January, so you know what that means. Our William Gibson vision of the future is coming? Well, um, I guess, but no, that's not quite what I was talking about. Oh, you're talking about Scarab's 10th anniversary. That's right. You <laughs> guessed it. Scarab's 10th year anniversary is coming right up in 2020. Awesome. And there's all sorts of big stuff that it's going to be planned for this. Why? Here's just some of it. Oh, let's listen. 
Hey everyone, this is Pete from Rage Quit Wire. We got an exciting announcement. January 18th and 19th of 2020, we're going to be running a Guild Ball tournament at the Scarab Gaming Convention in Columbia, South Carolina. It's going to be Saturday and Sunday from 10 to 4 p.m. It's either going to be one large tournament or two smaller tournaments, depending on size and attendance. It's going to be $100 prize support per 10 people. So the more we get signed up, the more swag we get. Trophies are going to be provided for the champion of the tournament, best painter, and sportsmanship. It's only $40 for the entire convention weekend. That's a special price for Guild Ball players. If you are interested in registering, email Pete at rage.quit.wire at gmail.com. Looking forward to having people sign up and rolling some dice and throwing some salt. If you're interested in being a vendor or vendor space at Scarab 2020, please check out our website under our dealers and our downloads section for applications. We are now accepting them right now. In Scarab 2020, we're going to have the return of the Warhammer 40k tournaments. And we're also going to have, of course, the, re- the welcome return of Wormahords, as always. Some Battletech, those guys are always cool. And we're also going to be welcoming Guild Ball to the scene. So if you're into miniatures, come check out Scarab 2020. We're going to have all sorts of stuff going on. It's going to be great. Also, don't forget to check out Scarab on all of our social media outlets. They're on Facebook, Twitter... They're on Instagram. There's a, uh, there is a thing on there from YouTube, but uh, I think it's a little old, but they might be in the process of updating that. And of course, check out their website for the links to all of this at www.s-c-a-r-a-b.com. That's right, scared with a bunch of dashes in it. <laughs> Well, everybody, the show's finally over. That's it. You can go back to your normal life again, though it's probably never going to be the same. You can find the Swarmcast podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Tell us what you think. Heck, give us a good review on either iTunes and Tuned In, Stitcher. Heck, I think we're putting stuff out on YouTube now, if that's kind of your thing. Anyway, subscribe, like, whatever, all through those different guys. Or you can grab the RSS feed from our website, which is swarmcastpodcast.com. That's all one word. And you can also email us at swarmcastpodcast, again, one word, at gmail.com. Why not? Or you can leave us a message at area code 803-470-4439. And we'll probably play it on the air if you're lucky. Maybe. (laughs) So, until next time, keep on gaming. And when you think of toast, think of me. Music on the Swarmcast podcast is by iFightDragons at iFightDragons.com, MC Lars at MCLars.com, The Droids at DroidsMusic.Bandcamp.com, and Steam Powered Giraffe at SteamPoweredGiraffe.com. Away we go to explore the great unknown. Let's go without a Adventure awaits us there. So blast off, let's make what's theirs our own. The universe is ours to roam. And together we're not alone across the sky.
just any robot will do a new frontier is drawing near we'll smash and shoot we'll take their loot when they see us coming they'll shake in their boots we'll stare them down and when they flinch we'll send them packing across every inch of the Yourself down from that noose that's swinging and reattach your arms so we can get guns. Let's start this heist and overload. Let's shut ourselves up till we are sold. Do not give up. And wear our best smiles even during combat. So the enemy sees a smile and is put off. They think we're rough and tumble, but we're compassionate. And they'll want to bring their cameras out for photos together because they're smiling now. We're all happy. And that's. How it should go, generally speaking. Oh yeah! Away we go to explore the great unknown. Let's go without a care. Adventure away. Us there. So blast off, let's make what's theirs our own. The universe is ours to roam, and together we're not alone across the Farm to tail companionship. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs>